always, and welcome to episode 4 and 4 of the Drunk Nerds Podcast. I'm your host, as always, I'm Tyler, and joining me with the man, the myth, the legend himself, Sir Colonel Gables. What's up, buddy? <sighs> cookies and dowels. Cookies and dowels. Oh, Tyler. your cookies? <laughs> no, this is just a figure of speech. But anyway, I am doing pretty good at this moment in time. I have been going and playing a bunch of different games because I've been uh, I've been looking for that next big game I wanted to go through and dive into since the start of the year. And because my whole work thing and stuff is situating rather nicely, started looking at the backlog, started looking at the uh, stuff that was available locally. So I went ahead, I did pick up the last uh, DLC pass for Dragon Ball Fighters, the Season 3 pass, and I was having a chance to try out the characters that I got from it today. On top of that, on top of that, I've been uh, going with a whole bunch of. Uh, different ways that I'm going to be going through and addressing some of the games that I've been playing for my backlog, but other than that, I'm doing fantastic. How are you, Tyler? Doing alright, you know, just uh, clinging and banging as always, you know, working. Uh, joy, you know, it was nice having, last week I had Friday and Sunday off, so that was a nice, nice little uh, you know, two out of three days off, uh, and now I was just getting back to the grind of things, not another, not another there's no more holidays until Memorial Day, so that's depressing, but, uh, doing okay, you know, otherwise, you know, got myself a little, like, this little Fitbit watch, Yeah. um, like a cheapo one, is like 40 bucks, uh, just cause, like, you know, I'm walking a lot more now, being a lot more active, uh, with my, with my job I have, so, my jobs I have, and, uh, so I was like, oh, I want to kind of get a idea how much, you know, walking and stuff I'm doing, and, uh, also I've just been, I've had, like, I really don't have much of a sleep schedule anymore. It's I haven't figured that my I don't know my hours have, my have changed a few times. So it's like you get used to this sleep schedule, and then oh no, it changes. So it's like I'm just trying to get used to a <clears throat> trying to fi- figure out an idea and see how much sleep I'm actually getting. And this thing that like, tracks your sleep and all that, uh, and then it tracks even like when you wake up. So that's I've only had it a couple days now, but it's been utterly fascinating and depressing to, to look that up on the app. Um, to see how often I wake up, <laughs> uh, at night, but, um, yeah, you know, I'm doing okay. Uh, just having fun. You know, today was a good day. I got to sit down and watch some playoff football. I get to watch, uh, we had three, three games on this first year. We've had, they had seven, uh, teams from each conference in the, in the playoffs. So, yeah, really uh, nice. <laughs> tr- yeah. So three games in, in a row, uh, two day, you know, for the last two days, that's been pretty nice just like 10 straight hours of football so i was when i was at work yesterday um in between deliveries i was pulling my phone and like folding boxes and shit and watching watching the games so that was nice um yeah you know i mean it's been a little upsetting because the brown steelers game has been pretty uh lack it was it's exciting for about 15 minutes and then Cleveland just took like a 35 point lead so can we just say uh, it's just been can we just say in this moment in time that for for once, <laughs> for once, I I'm at a loss of words because of an NFL team that's blowing another team out because it's the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, it's the yeah. Cleveland Browns blowing out the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm trying to look at the freaking <clears throat> yeah. score right now, Brown. but uh, it's 35-16. In the... <laughs> yeah, so in... Well, oh, oh, Roethlisberger almost threw another pick. But anyways, um, <laughs> yeah, uh, Browns, have, for people that don't know, Browns haven't been to the playoffs in uh, since 2002, uh, so 19 years. 
and haven't won a playoff game since 1994. And so, the fun fact. Uh, 27 years. Fun fact, the last two playoff appearances that they've had lost both against the Steelers. Yep. And also, uh, not, another not-so-fun fact, um, the, the the Browns play the Steelers every year in Pittsburgh and have not beaten the Steelers in Pittsburgh since 2003. So um, <laughs> a lot of streaks being broken tonight, possibly, as long as they can hold on. Um, but it's it's funny we talk about this now, but by the time this comes out, everybody already know what happened. It's kind, but, of, it's kind <laughs> of like what I told my dad while that game was playing, and I look at the score, and he, he's telling me, hey, hey, play this game. 28 to nothing at that point in the first quarter. Then I go forth and I just like uh, test. I'm like, hey, hey, you watch. It's like either the Browns are going, are going to the next round, or we're gonna have the most con- like colossal, like uh, playoff loss, like you know, colossal loss in playoff history. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Um, that's like I said something because I'm like in a in the talking ship group where I'm in their the Facebook messaging group uh, about football, and uh, I said I don't know be what's what would be more entertaining the Steelers. With a crazy comeback, or the the Browns just keep running up the score, because um, the Browns are due for a for a, for a game like this. So hopefully they don't, no doubt. they don't blow it. But yeah, I'm five and zero in picks this week going into this game, and I, I actually picked the Steelers. So I mean, also on top of all that, the Browns, um, they're like six players are out and four coaches are out because including their head coach because they all got COVID. So they haven't been able, actually been able to practice all week. So on top of that, so. Um, fucking crazy circumstances but um yeah you know just enjoying watching football and all that fun jazz so um one thing i did do um is uh we, we had our if people don't know or if, if you don't i don't know why the fuck you haven't gone back and listened to him because it was really good but we did our uh, top 10 games for 2020 uh a few weeks ago the week the day after christmas and uh so we, we actually had a couple weeks off from doing the show and um we actually could have taken this week off, but Gable hit me up. He's like, "I want to record now." I'm like, "Fuck yeah, let's do it." Um, that's how much we love. That's how much we love doing it. We don't even have to, and we still do it. Um, but um, uh, so I, we every year, I uh, usually what I do is like, um, I'll just do like so. My number ten game this year was uh, Street Rage Four, mm-hmm. so that's one point. My game of the year, spoiler alert, if you haven't gone back and listened to it yet, is Last of Us Part Two, so that's worth ten points. So typically, what I do is I'll like combine all the scores together and then like here's i'll do a top 10 list of that of our scores combined but i tried doing it and it just didn't work out because we only have three games in common and it was the same thing last year we only had one game in common so like last year our, i i just like all right until goose game was our it was our game of the year because it was mm-hmm. your number two or your number three and my number two um this year we had three games in common um we had uh street rage four i had it at 10 you had it at six Seven. uh I think it was seven. Right down wrong. <laughs> oh, I have it right down here. Six, so oh. six or seven. Um, let me look. Yeah, I wrote it down at six. Maybe I'm wrong though. But um, anyways, uh, Battle Toads. I had it at um, six. You had it at nine, and then Ghost of Shima. You had it at two, and I had it at uh, seven. So with that, Ghost of Shima was our game of the year for 2020 at <laughs> Drunk Nerds. So uh, I'll be sending. Um, them a trophy here soon with our <laughs> logo. I'm not going to do that. We don't have that. If we, if we had one of those, I, w- I would have that. So, <laughs> but, um, I'll just like make a paper mache game awards and I'll, I'll send it to him. Um, yeah, that's our, that is our game of the year. I didn't, I was going to, I was trying to do like the whole points thing, but I'm like, it's kind of dumb just cause like, you're like, all right. So last of us is 
get the 10 points. Then it was uh, Persona 5 Royal also gets 10. We had a bunch of games just tied for places because we didn't have anything. We didn't only have those three games in common. And two of those games were both in our bottom five. So, um, yeah, that's why Ghostima is our uh, game of the year. But, um, yeah, that was kind of cool. But it was a good show. Uh, good shows, I should say. We did three of them that night, and uh, we both had a lot of fun doing it. Um, and another thing I did a little differently than I did every other year is I, I really like the way where we we did our show the, um, this year where we you know we, we were good I think on how much time we spent talking about um, our our picks mm-hmm. for uh, our games and like we slowly spent more time as the shows went on like especially with that bottom three we've we, we both spent a decent chunk of time talking about, about you know when you get to that point you know these games there's a reason why they're in your top three and but especially when we got to number one. You and I both spent about 15 minutes each talking about why Persona 5 Royale is your game of the year. Mm-hmm. And I spent a good chunk of time talking about why Last of Us Part 2 is my game of the year. So actually, um, uh, so they're in the main show, but I actually took uh, just those cuts, those cut those parts out for each of us, and I put them and made them their own separate file. Oh. So uh, those will be going up. Um, so if for whatever reason you, have, you didn't listen to the whole show or don't want to listen to... Uh, our personal top 10 lists, uh, but you want to hear, you know, go in depth why we love those, those games as much as we do. I, I put them in there separately. So they'll be on YouTube and, uh, every, everywhere. But, uh, if you want to just hear that, that chunk of our, of us talking about our game of the year, uh, those will be out there. Um, I think Gables will come out on, well, they'll both be out by time. I guess you'll be hearing this cause I think they're, they're ones coming out in here in a few hours and one's going to come out the day after that. So by the time this is out, they should both be out. Um, yeah, go back. If you don't want to listen to the whole top 10 list or you don't want to listen to the part two, um, cause it broke, you know, broke them up in two parts like we always do, uh, go and just check out that part. Cause I think, uh, we both did some of our best work, uh, talking about those games being our game of the year. Um, but anyways, Gables, um, you know, it's 2021 now it's, uh, holidays are over. Uh, unfortunately, as much as I love having the time off and, you know, having time with the family and rest and relax. Um, not substantial about the news this week. We've had a, we've had a, uh, a few, one pretty, you know, I would say pretty decent side news, but uh, nothing really major. But uh, we have, I have some fun stuff we can talk about here in a little bit. But I wanted to start off with um, one of the bigger ones here is uh, Nintendo buys Next Level Games. No idea. I don't think there's a price point out there yet. But basically, Next Level Games... Uh, they made the, the last game they made was Luigi Man- Luigi's Mansion Three, which um, I think in the first like week sold more than the first two games did combined. Um, so doing really well for them. Uh, yeah, it sold over um, sold almost eight million copies as of November. Luigi's Mansion Three has um, and was uh, was nominated for uh, ga- the Game Awards and uh, won a couple awards at Dice and Bafta. Uh, Bafta. But Sue has been around since two thousand two. Um, they've been working with Nintendo for a while. They they were they made Punch Out for the Wii. Uh, they made Luigi Mansion's Dark Moon um, for 3DS. Uh, they also made the uh, the Metroid. Uh, oh fuck, was that game called? The really Federation bad Force. Metroid Federation Force. Which that game, from everything we we heard going into it, I think um, or coming out of it was like that wasn't really their fault. It was just more uh, um, like they were making a game and Nintendo's like make it Metroid. So that's how it got made. Um, mm-hmm. But the deal will be closed by March 1st. But uh, Nintendo, I mean, like I said, it sounds like they they pretty much been just working with almost exclusively with them for a long time now so now it's just a oh they also made super mario strikers i wanted to mention that uh yep. when the 
I still want that. Give me, give me that. Just make that game again, please. But um, yeah, I mean, they've been working for a long time now. They officially um, own them. What, uh, what was your thoughts on this, Gables? Actually, it was an excellent acquisition by Nintendo. Not only, it, not only did it solidify having them hook, line, and sinker as one of their first-party studios because they had been essentially doing like second-party style of work. Obviously, other major hits as a company on Nintendo platforms were like what you were mentioning in terms of Punch-Out for the Wii, and also in terms of Mario Strikers for the GameCube, and also the Strikers Charge for Wii as well. Not to mention the Luigi Mansion, like mm. Dark Moon, and Luigi's Mansion 3. Excellent stuff. It was one of the announcements that took me by surprise, because uh, I had personally thought that Nintendo already had next-level games, but apparently that's not the case. But then again, I keep remembering that they go through and they go to specific companies to license out certain bits of their, you know, their licensing franchises and stuff in order to quintessentially see what they would do with them. I mean, I know Nintendo's done that in the past with uh, other companies like uh, Koei Tecmo and like, uh, oh gosh. Um, and I know some other games as, and other game companies as well. But I really thought this was a great decision on them because the quality of the games that uh, Next Level Games have been producing, not only on the Switch, but in previous Nintendo platforms, is enough to where it it justifies just locking them down so that way, say, a Sony or a Microsoft's not going to come ahead and swoop under because you know how busy it seems like both of those major companies are going through and acquiring studios, especially Microsoft. Mm-hmm. But at the same point, I like what Nintendo's doing with it. I hope they go through and secure another studio <laughs> quite essentially soon because I would rather have them go through and secure what works, you know, what company, what gaming, like development studios that work well with their brand and stuff. I wish they would secure them now considering how successful the Switch has been this generation. <laughs> but what was you thinking? Yeah, Tyler? no, I, I agree. Oh, yeah, sorry. But I, I, you know, I agree um, that yeah, it was a good idea to uh, snatch them, especially because like it was out. They, they mentioned like you know, the people that own the company wanted to uh, sell, so it was, and it sounds like they just you know that, that right now they're probably worth more than they ever have been, probably ever will be. Um, I've come off the hit of uh, Luigi Mansion three, and you know, give it's smart. Like I said, like everybody's. It's the big thing now is you know Microsoft kind of kicked that off where like you know you got you got to buy you got to buy in you know you can't just you know just keep you know working with them and you having like uh, this working relationship because eventually someone's just snoop they'll come in and buy them and you know we've seen like uh, PlayStation buy Insomniac lately we've seen uh, Microsoft buy like a dozen new studios they bought Bethesda um, so yeah it makes sense I mean, especially when they you know when their next level games is saying they want to sell. Yeah, you just need to buy them. I don't know; they probably wouldn't have bought them otherwise. But uh, it's I think I think it's a good idea. I think it's smart. To, you know, keep that stuff in house, and it's easier to um, just buy these guys that you know are good instead of just making your own next level games for Nintendo. It'd be a lot, it's a lot cheaper and easier. You know, when you would have everything in place. It's like just keep doing what you're doing, and here's some money. here's a bunch of money. Um, <clears throat> I think it's interesting too that like this is Nintendo's first time ac- uh, buying a studio since Monolith. Uh, back in 2007 so that's that's stunning um that that's the case uh, yeah yeah but i because I, I don't think they, they i know they i think they own parts of like they own a, a bit of rocks or not rocksteady uh retro games um so i don't know maybe you'd be smart to like finally just snatch them up as well 
you know, I don't know why they haven't already. If that you know, if that's the case, um, and just or at least get majority ownership of them. But yeah, I think it's smart, especially because like this is like their own. This is their first non like their first Western studio they've ever owned as well. I think that's a pretty big deal. Yeah, that is um, a big deal. That's you know they've worked with that. They've they've worked with other ones, but they've never actually owned one before. So I think that's that's pretty crazy that they uh, actually now have a Western studio. Um, so yeah, I think that's, it's smart. It's a good idea. Um, I, I the games they, they made, I, I really enjoy, especially like Super Mario, like we were talking about Super Mario Strikers. Um, <clears throat> I told the story a long time before, but I used to play that game and listen to Genesis for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> for, I remember like for a whole summer, I played <laughs> Super Mario Strikers over and over again and listened to Genesis. I don't, I don't know why I did it, but that's just what happened. I went into like a weird stage in my life listening to Genesis, but um, yeah, I, I love I love if they made another one um, <clears throat> or just <laughs> I don't know, uh, but yeah, it, it, it's awesome. I, I hope they they make a Luigi Mansion Four because I love that game. It was high up on my game of the year for last year. Um, I think it's one of the it's sneakily one of the best Switch games um, that you can play on on that console. So um, and I know it sold almost eight million copies, but not enough people have played it. Um, but moving on to some uh, Sony and PlayStation news, um, Sony announced they stopped making uh, stop production on uh, all PS4s except for the Slim. Uh, the PS4 uh, Pro is no longer being made, and the uh, the one terabyte PS4 is no longer being made. It's only going to be the PS4 Slim with the 500 gigabytes. Um, and this is something. I mean, you you actually brought it to my attention about a month ago where uh you had heard that like on the playstation website like uh, ps4 pro was sold out and stuff like that and there was no news of uh right them them making any more and it's just like they, did they quietly stop development on because that was like microsoft had announced uh i want to say in, like july or august that they stopped production on everything but the uh, xbox one s um and you know like so the the one x is done and the there's a the the sad edition uh, Xbox One is done so um, yeah so they officially announced they're they're, they're no longer, no longer developing them or uh, pr- producing them uh, so they can focus more on the PS5 production which I think is smart you know the PS5 is probably one of the hottest items out there right now to get uh, outside the COVID vaccine and um, you know it's, they just can't make them fast enough right. it'd be hard enough to make them in a normal year but especially right now so it makes sense to and i'm sure they share parts even though i know they're different consoles but they probably have some of the same things so opens up production lines less uh items because i mean they're already fighting with cell phone companies uh freaking nvidia graphic cards xbox for for a production line and i'm sure materials so it makes you know instead of competing with yourself and uh, you know Somebody uh, brought up a good point on Twitter when I, when, they, when this news came out, I, and they said that like, if the PS4 Pro was really selling super well, Sony would talk about that, and they would give out numbers. And I don't know if they've ever really have. I'm sure in the beginning maybe they did, but I don't really feel like. I mean, whenever they announce sales, they don't. They never say. They never break it down by, you know, Pro and P, regular PS4. They just so go I wonder. With just- of individual PS4, it never has yeah. been separated yeah. into regular and pro. Yeah, which I don't know if that's the norm. I guess because I, I know like Nintendo counts Game Boy and Game Boy Color as one console, even though they're not. And I don't think they actually. Ever, I don't know if that number is out there. I have to look at that as far as like what sold what. But um, I feel like though, if the Pro was super successful, they would say we sold you know fifteen million or twenty million, and 
maybe they haven't. I don't know. I mean, I know, and I know pros have been hard to come by uh, the last six months or so. Um, and maybe that them slowing down production now stopping it is, is a big reason why it's like i got a pro sitting over there i wonder how much money that might that thing might be worth here soon uh, but yeah um i think it makes sense you know i mean it's it's it seems kind of early to like start shutting stuff down but i think where we're at right now where it feels like the the new consoles are you know it's always the new consoles come out always are the hot items that everybody wants but um uh, it feels like now more, or maybe it's just more of the media age, and also the fact that COVID and gaming is uh, probably doing be- is, is doing the best it's ever done because of large part because of COVID, people being stuck at home. That it's just it makes sense to like, all right, let's just shut this stuff down a little early. We'll still make some, but we're gonna we're mo- we're focusing on the on the next stuff. So, yeah, I think it seems like a good idea to me. What about you, Gables? Well, let me clarify a little bit of uh, stuff with the console stuff. I know for a fact that uh, in regards to the reports and stuff that were for the discontinuations for, say, PlayStation 4 systems, I know a lot of this news has been coming out from Japan because I know Sony has one on record in Japan and stating that they are discontinuing the PS4 Pro and basically a couple other models, like the Glacier White PS4 and this and that, and they're just leaving the base in regards to that. But Mm -hmm. honestly, I kind of felt like this is more or less uh, a good talking point because... Because of the fact that, one, we're starting to see similar things happen in the U.S. as well, not just because of the the North American Sony website not allowing the option, like Tyler was saying like a couple weeks ago, for uh, ordering the PlayStation 4 Pro, but at the same time, it's like I personally haven't really seen too much of stock either for like the PS4 or the PS4 Pro in that regards. But uh, it makes sense to discontinue the PlayStation 4 Pro right now because it's very redundant when you have a higher-end system like the PlayStation 5. At that same point, it would also create a little bit of confusion because then you have, like, four different SKUs, right? And, like, the PlayStation 4 Pro doesn't really work inside of that business that business sense because you have a PS5 that's digital that's cheaper than the PS4 Pro, and then you have the regular physical edition of the PS5 that quintessentially has better specs, has better this and that, only for, like, what, $100 or so more. So I could see why they, Sony, in and of themselves, want to just discontinue that console. But I kind of feel like, and this is a personal opinion, I feel like they're just discontinuing, they're going to discontinue the entirety of the PlayStation 4 this year. That's my initial thoughts and impressions, because, for one, there have been high numbers of like shipping in terms of PlayStation 5 consoles and even reported estimate I think it was like over 8 million or something that 8 million dollars from like PS5 consoles sold or that sort I may not have the most accurate information and stuff but the PlayStation 5 has been on track to possibly surpass the early goings of the PlayStation 4 from what I've been reading off of like new news analysts type of stuff so I personally feel that the PlayStation 4 console is going to just be discontinued. They're going to fully pull and put everything inside their baskets in terms of putting out the PlayStation 5 and making sure that meets demand because obviously the PS5 and the Xbox Series X and Series S, those are hot consoles now. They're hot commodity items. They've been ever since they've been launched. Obviously, the second reseller market, like on eBay and on Amazon, their prices are starting to trickle downwards because of how many systems have been going through and coming popping back up. 
And also you have a little bit of rumors that possibly late January we're going to be seeing more in terms of uh, PlayStation 5 consoles and Xbox consoles and stuff. So where does that leave like a console like, say, the PlayStation 4 Pro or even like the baseline model? But lastly, I will say it's stuff is if Sony does keep on with it comes to the freaking regular PlayStation 4 console, then yeah, you know, they have that, they have the digital only, and then they have the physical, like, PS5, quintessentially. So that makes sense. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I, well, I I think when the pre-orders came out and they started talking about how, like, you know, I think Horizon uh, Forbidden West is going to be a PS4, PS5 game. A lot of games are on both consoles that they did uh, guarantee that they were going to support the PS4 for at least two years. So I, I feel like they'll probably still... Um, Produce, be producing them until 2022 maybe by the end of 20 by our through the 2022 i mean so for be, be two years they said so um i i, don't know, I, I could see sometime in the next i would say at the earliest 18 months is when they're going to stop completely on production but um you know i there's so many great games on that on those consoles i'm sure they're still selling it somewhat and it's smart to, to not abandon that as much as i'd like personally as a selfishly as a ps5 owner for them to just you know for, for horizon and god of war 2 and all those games to be ps5 only just cause those games will run and look better um i i don't blame them from a business perspective of um and also you know keeping your fans happy of the people that can't get those consoles or can't afford those consoles um you know to at least put the games that put these great games out on them um yeah i mean we'll have to wait and see i think it's a good point though, like you said though like Fact that it's silly to have a PS4 Pro out there that's four hundred dollars when you can get a PS5 digital edition for four hundred dollars. So, um, th- I think that's a big reason why like the Xbox One X went was got they got rid of that as soon as possible because it's five hundred bucks. And it's like we can't cut the price on this thing anymore. Um, mm-hmm. You know, to like where it's worth it, and it's like or you know, no one's gonna buy a five hundred dollar Xbox One X when the Series X is five hundred, or you can get the uh, Series S for what was it three hundred. Um, but uh, moving on to some other bit of uh, some uh, PlayStation rumors here. Um, so this comes from Dusk Golem, who um, I have never heard of before. Uh, I'm sure I probably talked about him on the show before as far as like, because we talked about like Resident Evil rumors and there was that Capcom leak not so long ago. But uh, apparently he's like a known in the leak game as far as like Capcom, and especially Resident Evil news. So he's been, he's been pretty good about, about uh, those leaks and stuff like that he's on point most of the time so um he put a, a tweet out someone said um someone actually had asked him like when are we going to hear about uh, resident evil 8 village because they promised we'd have an update by the end of uh 2020 but or like there was like a it was like september 1st there's some weird date they had sometime uh in 2020 that they're gonna like give us more details and then COVID happened and then the day came and went and then like a couple days after that day uh, the Capcom made a statement, like a nothing statement, basically just saying you'll hear from us soon. Um, and uh, I mean, we got we got more at the PlayStation event, PS5 event back, back what was that September, I want to say. But um, as far as like a date, uh, there was that leak, the Capcom leak, uh, like a month or so ago. And in there, it was like it was saying the plan was for the game to come out in April sometime. Uh, which so you gotta imagine if that's the case, they're gonna announce some something soon. Um, so. Uh, Dusk Golem here said in a tweet when someone asked him when we can hear about Resident Evil 8 he said to give a semi-serious answer Sony has some event planned for the start of the year for January or February I won't be surprised if Capcom either did something 
themselves in January. I took part of the, of the, uh, of that due to Sony marketing. So, um, that makes sense. Every, every time we see Resident Evil eight, uh, it's been every time we've seen really anything Resident Evil in general since Resident Evil seven was seven, two, three, and now eight, it's been with, um, Sony. It's been at E threes or it's been at, uh, their state of plays like Resident Evil three was revealed at the state of play, um, at the beginning of, I think they had a state of play in like January or February, early February last year. And that's when Resident Evil three was announced. Um, that game came out like, a, like beginning of April, I want to say, uh, it was a week after final fantasy seven came out. I remember. Um, but, uh, so it makes sense that, um, I, that will at least get a date. I, 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 I want that to be true that there's going to be a state of play. Cause just cause I used to love it. Like every January we were, you know, we, we'd get those for like a good three or four years. We'd have that, a good Nintendo direct that would like kind of set you up for the first half of the year and maybe you get a little tease for the second half, but it, like the first half was pretty much laid out there. And then you have like little directs throughout the rest of that first half and uh, up to get you through E3. And, uh, it'd be great, you know, because like you, you think about it, it's like, we don't have, you know, Ratchet and Clank is supposed to be a launch window game with what a window, what is a, what a launch window means to them? We don't know, but they've said that's the first half of the year. Same with the uh, Grand Turismo seven. Those that's the first half of the year game. So you got to imagine here soon we'll be getting release dates for those. So it makes sense that, I mean, maybe we won't have a, a state of play, but maybe we'll have something uh, so I, I can buy the idea of them being a, being the, being a state of play here in the next three, four weeks. What about you cables? I can see that happening as well. It would be interesting to hear something from Sony, especially over the next couple of weeks, considering that like you just touched upon, you know, we haven't heard any type of release thing for Ratchet and Clank. That's supposed to be like an early release window PS5 game. On top of that, you know, it, it does make sense cons- considering that, uh, this year just started, and you know, it's like, it's getting to that point and stuff where someone needs to go and say what's going to be going on in terms of the first half of this year, at least, in regards to yeah. the PS5 releases. So, honestly, I'm taking the news with a grain of salt, this rumor, in regards to Resident Evil 8, the vil- you know, the village, when essentially it's Resident Evil 8, I don't care what they say, but... Uh... Yeah. <laughs> But if I had to be a betting man, I probably would say that we probably would maybe get some news in regards to a PlayStation Direct or whatever the heck this week, maybe. State of play. Or state of play this week. I probably would say this week because we have to see sooner or later. (laughs) Yeah. But if not, no big deal. But honestly, if we're already hearing rumors in regards to stuff like that come upon, including like potential spoilers in terms of plot points and whatsoever of the game itself, then we are probably going to be hearing more news about that game sooner rather than later. Yeah, I, I yeah, we, we have to. Um, I mean, someone's got to say something here soon because like everybody's excited about like there's going to be we think there's going to be a great slate of games and there's, there's some there's some good games coming this year that have 2021 release dates and games we assume are 2021 games. Um, but it's like, you know, we don't really know. There's not a lot of concrete stuff this year. It's like, uh, as far as like from the the big like the big studios, the big games like like we have Mario 3D World February 12th. Uh, Returnal is in I think uh, April or March. I think March March 13th maybe. And then it's like that's pretty much it. It's like Persona 5 Strikers um, in February. It's like we don't really know a lot 
as far as like no one's got concrete dates. We just got, you know, Sony's given us the first half, second half of the year. And uh, we don't know anything from Xbox other than fall 2021 for Halo. It's like we got nothing. So, um, yeah, I mean, we got someone's got to start breaking some news here soon. Uh, I think we're all a little more calmer this time around where it's like that last year we were like, where the fuck's the Nintendo Direct? Where's all Mario All-Stars? Where's the PS5 news? Where's the Xbox news? It's like, you know, this, we don't have new consoles coming. Um, you know, and we're, we're, I think we're now, we're, we're a little more used to it with COVID and what kind of more of an idea of what's going on as far as, you know, it's like, all right, so things aren't, you know, things are a little more in flux uh, than they used to be. It's probably shit coming together last minute. You know, we're a little more patient now. We have, and the, you know, we just had a great uh, fall and winter of, of good games. So now I think we went from like having long stretches of nothing to uh, we just had a great uh, run there for a while. So now it's to be honest you know, with everybody, you, everybody's really... playing catch up. Well, sorry to cut you off there, but in uh, yeah, honest. It reminds me of the old days when we would wait for certain game releases or wait for certain news to come upon companies in regards to when we're going to learn about things next. Even like with the COVID stuff and everything else going on and stuff, it's it's kind of actually sort of relaxing knowing that we don't have all these games like just bombarding you <laughs> in terms of yeah. major releases one after another, like so on and so forth, like the last generation has been. But it's it's sort of interesting seeing how much more of like a laid back approach where people are taking their time with making sure game development's going on and also in terms of announcements with companies because I know Sony is probably going to be announcing some possibly soon. I'm just guessing. I don't have any type of sources or anything. But Nintendo yeah. still needs to talk about what they have to do with their stuff. But... Yeah, it's an interesting time right now, but the main focus should be from both Sony and Microsoft is to get as many of those damn consoles out as possible, yeah. whether online or retail. Yeah. yeah. And don't put them up every, every week and sell like eight of them and then sell out again. Yeah, really. It'll suck. I don't care but, if they uh, bring out a freaking pallet of consoles, for God's sake. Just put it in the middle of the aisles yeah. and say, have at it. Yeah. <laughs> Something. Give people a warning, uh, especially the employees. Give the employees some warning too. Uh, no more scenarios where GameStop tells the public that there there's PS5s at GameStop before you tell the employees that work at GameStop that they have PS5s. Um, oh God, that'd be a good idea. Um, that had something that happened like a month ago. Um, but Gables, uh, yeah. that's kind of it for the news. But I thought I have a little fun thing here um, that. Uh, it's kind of some people are talking about, and some I, I didn't realize just how many there are. But this is a fun one, I think, for both of us, especially you being, uh, you know, you're more of a Nintendo guy than I am. Um, that there are some, there's a lot more anniversaries, but this is the anniversaries of the bigger stuff. Oh yeah. Um, like people are going nuts about Kid Icarus. Uh, it's like the 35th anniversary. I'm like, stop it. So, uh, so they have a, we have a few anniversaries this year. Uh, we have uh, the 35th anniversary of Metroid and Zelda. Yeah. And then also the Pokemon turns 25. Yeah. So I remember for the, what was it, 20th anniversary, they released Pokemon Red, Blue, and Yellow on 3DS. Um, that was pretty awesome. I remember then. Okay, the 20th uh, anniversary, I'm trying to remember. That was back around was, yeah, 2016. It would have been 2016. You know, they not yep. only did that, yeah. but they also came out, I think, with Sun and Moon, I want to say. It's either that. Yeah, or... it was Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon. 
I think. In 2016? That year is. I was it 2015? Because I thought Ultra Sun Ultra Moon was like 2018. You're right. What was 2016 then? I think 2016 was Sun and I think it was Sun and well, Moon. Well, Sun and Moon was it was the year before Ultra Sun Ultra Moon. Let me look oh, this up. Then maybe Pokemon it could have. No, it couldn't. Oh, been. it was Pokemon Go. Remember that? Well, yeah, that was one of them. But there were mainline games in that regards. But uh, yeah, anyway, you were saying that uh, yeah, it's the 25th anniversary right now for Pokemon, 35 for Metroid and Zelda, and actually the 40th anniversary for Donkey Kong. <laughs> Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't catch that one. Um, sorry, I'm looking here. So obviously, if you're uh, an, if you're a Nintendo fan, there's a huge amount of milestones that are coming through this year. And not only that, it's got a bunch of Nintendo fans excited of what the potential announcements could be in terms of these franchises. There's a lot of rumors and speculations going around, not just with the Zelda franchise, not just with like say the Pokemon franchise, but the Metroid franchise as well as We've heard, we've heard little tidbits the past couple months in regards to, you know, well, not just a couple of months, maybe the last year and a half or something in terms of Nintendo possibly having, like, another Metroid game, like, besides Metroid Prime 4 in development, you know. And, oh, yeah, there's that rumor of the 2D one, right? Yeah, there was a rumor that it was more akin to, say, like, Super Metroid, potentially, which, for I know for a fact they've went through and remade the... Uh, second metroid game the the game boy one on the 3ds yep. a while ago but yeah i've heard a little bit of rumors about that but in regards to these all these just an anniversary announcements and stuff i think it's fairly exciting but uh i'm gonna go on a little bit of like a guessing spree or not just a guessing i'm gonna make some predictions i mean that's always so fun you know in terms of this mm. stuff it correlates with all the Nintendo news that we do have for this week, and also it's going to make things a little bit more interesting, I think. So, obviously, the prediction number one, I feel like that, much like with Mario's anniversary last year, we're going to get a compilation of Zelda games for this release. Alongside... Thinking, yeah. Okay. No, I'm okay. sorry, I was, I was going to ask what you're thinking, but you're going into it. Okay, okay. So, here's what I'm thinking. In regards to, say, a Zelda compilation for, like, the anniversary-wise. Now, before in the past, we've had the Master Quest stuff released on GameCube. And, like, a collaboration disc that had not only the first two Zelda games, but also with uh, Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask. What we could see, in my honest opinion, we could see, like, the... Uh, like a collage of some of the best Zelda games. I'm talking about maybe the first three, like the first three, like say first, second, and Link to the Past alongside of potentially like, uh, oh gosh, I want to say Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask again on the Switch. But as far as say like other details of Zelda games, you know, it's kind of iffy because... I could potentially see Nintendo coming out with, say, like a remastered Skyward Sword. Though, for the life of me, I don't know how they would go through and rework the controls for that game. Because that game was heavily implemented with motion controls of the Wii Motion Plus. But I do see Nintendo doing something along those lines of re-releasing Skyward Sword this year for the Zelda 35 and whatsoever. But in terms of the compilation disc, like I was mentioning before, I'm thinking that it's going to be a lot of the older Zelda games. So 
the original Zelda, Zelda 2, Link to the Past, maybe the Game Boy games like the original Link, Link's Awakening, maybe Oracle of Seasons and Ages. I mean, it makes sense in my honest opinion because here you have some of the most the most coveted besides like say Ocarina and other future Zelda games past that point, you have the quintessential Zelda games that came out that established that franchise into being a must-play for Nintendo consoles. So a collaboration like Switch Cart with those great those greatests and stuff, I could see that. I could see Skyward Sword being remastered and re-released. But uh, in terms of Pokemon, one of my favorite franchises, even though <laughs> after Sword and Shield and stuff, yeah, it was sort of like a little bit of a downer. Though aside, I did like, even though I did like playing my bits of Pokemon Sword and stuff, I thought that the expansions from like uh, Isle of Armor was kind of a disappointment. I haven't finished the uh, the other the Crown Tundra yet, but at the same point, I kind of feel like with the Pokemon franchise, there has to be some major Pokemon game releasing this year, considering that there wasn't any type of releases last year. So what I'm thinking of, I'm thinking perhaps we're going to be seeing elements of a remastered Diamond and Pearl. Not because of, say, the timeline purposes, but if you've noticed over the past 10-15 years of Pokemon, they have remade a whole bunch of the older games. Now, what I'm saying is, in Generation 3, when Ruby and Sapphire were a thing, they remade Red and Green with Fire Red, Leaf Green. They did the same thing with the DS games. You know, with Gen 4 was a thing, they remade Gold and Silver into Heart Gold, Soul Silver, and on the 3DS, Omega Ruby, Alpha Sapphire. So if we have, say, Diamond and Pearl remakes on the Switch, I feel like that's an excellent way of not only enticing old older fans from back around when the original games were released back to playing the games in that franchise, but sort of, I kind of feel like that this remake would be, would leave out a lot of the gimmicks of like say Sword and Shield and probably just focus upon like the main aspect of what made Diamond and Pearl great. Because I've heard rumors in regards to how certain plot points may go or Maybe there's going to be certain specific variants or whatsoever that's going to happen. You know, various, like, uh, variant Pokemon maybe being inside the Diamond and Pearl remakes. But, honestly, I kind of feel like that we probably will hear something inside of a remastered, like, Diamond and Pearl. Maybe towards the end of the year, perhaps November, because that's when the Pokemon company loves to put out a lot of their mainline Pokemon games during that November period, right before the holidays. <laughs> So that's prediction number three, I think it was. Yeah. So Zelda compilation thing, a remastered Skyward Sword, and like remaster of uh, freaking Diamond and Pearl for Pokemon. Now, another... I'm going to have like two more predictions. So the next one I would think would be for like Donkey Kong. It's probably going to be something a little bit... It probably will be a little bit more minor in regards to it, even though it's a big anniversary. But I could see Nintendo releasing a game and watch of the original Donkey Kong. <laughs> I mean, hell, sky's the limit. They did the same thing for like the Mario Brothers 1 and 2 for like a classic game and watch type of thing. So, why not Donkey Kong? And instead of like say maybe the NES game, what they could do is maybe they could partner with Microsoft, maybe have like no, they could partner with Rare. 
you know, from Microsoft, have them go back and forth since they're kind of on friendly terms now and maybe release like a, uh, maybe not so much a classic Game & Watch now when I think about it, but like something in related to like a collaboration on one handheld device for like Donkey Kong. So I'm saying like maybe have the original Donkey Kong, Donkey Kong 3, and maybe the Donkey Kong Country games with that regards. I could see something like that potentially being announced. I mean, sky's the limit, like I was saying before. Nintendo's partnership with Microsoft does have validity inside of some things. But uh, the last prediction I would have to say... Gosh. You know what? I'm going to say Metroid. And this is probably going to be a big one. Because I feel like that it's, we're about due to have something big from the Metroid series. And not big in a sense where it's like Metroid Prime 4 gameplay and this and that. I feel like the Nintendo is going to show a remastered Super Metroid. Now, hmm. Super Metroid is coveted on the Super Nintendo. And not just Super Nintendo, but it's coveted by a lot of old school gamers like myself. Because it's quintessentially one of the best games of all time, give or take what some like what some people may say or believe in that regards. But it's a fantastic game. It was one of the games that helped create an entire like subgenre. I kind of feel like if I kind of feel like the Nintendo will take the approach that they did with Link's Awakening, and instead of having like a remastered you know Link's Awakening, no excuse me, having remastered Link's Awakening. They could apply the same thing for, like, a remastered Super Metroid. And could you just see, like, a quintessential, like, cell shading like, hyper-crisp, maybe partnering, like, with, like, not, like, Retro Studios? Could you just imagine, like, say, a Yacht Club Games or something like that? Oh, that'd be Dude, good. Yeah. That would be a fantastic sort of, like, reveal. But at the same point, it's like, I could see them do that, but I really personally would love to see a remastered Super Metroid. If they could do the same for Zelda, I believe that if you want to gain interest inside of a franchise that isn't particularly like uh, like a, a hit or like not like a hit like in terms of like overall but like a main console seller, have a fantastic Metroid game that looks awesome, that, that plays like the original with remastered music and like all the various plot points because the thing that made Super Metroid one of the inside the top echelon of one of the best games is because it had a little bit of everything. It had replayability, it had fantastic music, it had fantastic graphical sprite fidelity. You don't even have to make it like a 3D-esque sort of thing, you know? It has to fit in sort of that world in of itself. And you made, if you make it more ambient and you make it more fluid, like fluid in terms of like pixel creativity or like uh, how you can mix a whole bunch of different elements together to make it feel like a Aliens theme, sort of, like how the original creator of Metroid wanted it to be, then I feel like that that would entice more people to play. So, yeah, that's my final my final prediction. Super Metroid being remade. <laughs> cool. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I was... You know, I was, I was listening to a, a podcast, and I, I, I didn't even know about this, but I guess there's, there are rumors of a Diamond and Pearl remake. Yep. Um, out there, which um, I'm sure for the hardcore is a big deal. I'm a little bummed out, bummed out by that, being more of a uh, of a fan of the older stuff. Even though I really got into uh, Shield um, at the end of 2019 and really really enjoyed that game, um, you know, I never did 
uh, I think Diamond. I I bought Diamond when it came out on DS, but that was like I was pretty much out of Pokemon at that point. And just right. Never really got into it, but uh, I, I, I you know I was, I was always holding out hope for that that okay. Let's Go uh, Gold and Silver kind of thing, you know. Well, who knows? Uh, Maybe that well, could potentially be a thing. You know, it's you can't really rule it out. Yeah. No, but uh, I mean, I don't. Did, uh, even though those games did sell, Pikachu and Eevee did sell really well, but like Sword and Shield blew those games out of the water. So as far yeah. as far as sales, so I, I'm wondering if you know that's a priority for them to go back to those to that uh, idea. I mean, I'd also like to have as much as the using the Pokeball uh, bothered me. I'd still like to have a reason to well, like the. More of a reason to play it together than that one time. Well, I, for in terms of like say how Pokemon Sword and Shield really performed, even with a lot of the critiques that people had and certain gamers had, which you know what they are valid complaints. They couldn't, they didn't include all the different Pokemon in terms of like that big old Pokedex and everything else. At the same time, yeah, I feel that if they went the route of a Diamond and Pearl remake, like rumors have been suggesting, that you would give your fans access to having all those different Pokemon in there from the get go. And not just that. Yeah. And if they're not going to do that, just limit it to what it was back then for diamond and Pearl. Cause even if you don't have like, even if you can't get like all 800 plus Pokemon, all their variants and all this other crap inside the game, at least have it to be where it was back in the day in 2007, where you, that's how initially I played that game by the way on DS. But I really hope they go the route of platinum. Because I do not blame you, Tyler, for not getting into Diamond and Pearl back then. Because there's a couple of things about Diamond and Pearl that were actually corrected and made better inside of Platinum. One being the pace hmm. of the game, which is slow and methodical in regards to it. The story was more concise, and plus the, the selection of Pokemon in terms of uh, getting through the game at a much better rate was definitely improved upon. So hopefully they would go the platinum route. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I hopefully they just yeah just call it diamond and pearl, but it's really just platinum. Yeah. Um, you know, I think you know Pokemon Snap Two was supposed to be a 2020 game until COVID happened. So I, I think we're gonna right see Pokemon Snap Two probably almost definitely sooner rather than later. Yeah, I feel like that game's gonna be here in that. I, I I feel like in the next three months we'll be playing that game. Dude, we are going to be uh, we're probably going to be hearing a whole bunch of things about the Pokemon games that were released including the the ones that we think are kind of lame duck ones like the Pokemon Sleep and like all the other stuff. I could see that potentially be like a mini direct for Pokemon maybe soon. But yeah, yeah we still need to hear more about Pokemon Snap too, how that's going to work and everything. I mean, Pokemon Sleep, the other Pokemon games that they had released or announced for mobile. Pokemon Toothbrush. Yeah, that whole Candy Crush style. <laughs> um yeah, so I think we'll, I think in the next few months we'll be playing that game. Maybe that's wishful thinking, but I, I don't think I don't feel like I'm too far off. Um, I think for like Metroid, we will get the trilogy this year. Oh, that'd be nice. Thing. The rumors that is that game's been done for a while, a long time now, and that was the case with like the the Pikmin three game, where like Deluxe with that game had been done just sitting on a computer somewhere for months before they finally just released it. They're just kind of waiting for empty dates to you know fill games in at so i feel like uh, they've been holding off on that game for feels a couple years now so i think we'll finally get that um Uh this year it makes sense and i think i don't think we'll get metroid prime for this year but we'll finally see something not gonna put a timeline on it but well outside of this year we will see something for metroid prime 4 and maybe yeah we'll get that 2d rumors that we'll find out about that and then for zelda i think breath of wild 2 will be the big game for november 
um, for them. Uh, I don't think it's going to be an early 2021 game like we all had hoped. Uh, I think COVID right. pretty much took that away from us. But um, I think we will get the a Zelda HD collection with um, Twilight Princess and um, what's Wind, Wind Waker. Waker. I, I think about that. And they will bundle it together for $60. They okay. won't separate it. Um, I think if we do, I'm not saying we will. I'm not trying to predict it. But if we do get a Skyrim, uh, not Skyrim, uh, <laughs> Skyward Sword, sorry. Um, uh, Zelda game on the Switch, it will use Joy-Cons. Um, yeah, I don't think it's going to happen, that. but I think if we do, they just re- redid it with Joy-Cons. Um, and you know, Gables, maybe mm. maybe my, this is my pie in the sky uh, thing here. Maybe I'm, I'm, this is my reach for the stars thing here. There's two Zelda games that I really wanted to play when I was younger, and I just never got around to. I just never got a chance to play them. Like, by the time I really got into Zelda with like Link to the Past, so like on Game Boy Advance and stuff like that, um, I just... They, I just never got around to playing them. Uh, I want, in the like maybe not the same art style as Link Awakening, but you know, given that, give it a, a new, you know, uh, coat of paint. Oracle Seasons, Oracle of Ages. Oh yeah. Well, I don't know if it's gonna be a full remake, but maybe a remaster, or maybe we just put them out. But I, I think I think we're gonna see a lot of collections this year. For I don't think we'll get that Link to the Past one because the the Switch Online. I want you to get that thing, but uh, I think. I think I could definitely see us like getting like a, a pack with like Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask on it and stuff like that. I think yeah. I think we'll we'll see some stuff like that, or maybe we'll just get the sixty four on Switch Online, and that'll be the big selling point. Is like Ocarina of Time and and Majora's Mask are on that you know day day one. If there's anything that can be said about this year for Nintendo, is that the past sells, and with anything that they're going to go through mm. and announce this year, Nintendo doesn't have to do much. People who are fans of Nintendo will eat it up, no matter if it being a collection disc yes. for Zelda, whether it be like, say, adding the Nintendo 64 or maybe even Game Boy games onto that online thing for Switch, maybe hiking up the cost of the yearly thing because of that. Because that's the best thing about that Switch's online service. It's not playing the games online, it's freaking getting no, access to that no. NES and SNES app and playing those hodgepodge yeah, I... games. That's the key ticket. <laughs> yeah i would i would love it if they uh if they just put like the game boy games on there because it, it just makes sense but like oh i remember God, yes. playing minish cap for the first time on on the wii u and i played it primarily on my gamepad uh-huh. um i want to say like 2014 2015 uh-huh. and i just had a blast with that game it was a great game you know i, I played like over a decade after it came out it's still a really good game so i i, I don't know i just I, i've always wanted to like you know like i always wanted to play the game boy uh, you know the leaks awakening, but oh my I just gosh. Uh, I didn't want to play. You know, I always wanted to check it out, and then finally checking out, yeah, it, 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 was, it was fine. But you know, Oracle <laughs> Ages and Seasons are two that um, this those are like the, my glaring holes as far as like to me personally. I don't like Skyward Sword. I know a lot of people say, "Ooh, it's you know." There's a lot of defenders of that game, uh, Justin. <laughs> That's all I'm gonna say, just Justin. Um, but uh yeah i know a lot of people don't like that game and it's you know it's one of those games that's like you know you either love it or you don't um so uh but i don't i, I probably if skyward sword did, or, yeah sky i thought i said skyward but i did not i got upset with myself because i thought i said the wrong thing but i didn't um <laughs> but <laughs> I, I still check it out like, i i, I want to check it out like uh like i've always talked told justin like if they, if they put that galaxy super mario galaxy and skyward sword were, were able to play with a controller i'll check them out and i will uh, you know, I, I, but I need to get back to Galaxy. That's actually just thinking about that now. Um, 
yeah. Um, th- those are kind of my bit, my predictions. Um, I, I, I yeah, I, I'm hopeful for a lot of those. I, um, I, I mean, I think we'll get like a, probably get a sneak peek at the next big Pokemon game. I don't think we're gonna. Get, I think I don't think we're gonna get like the like the the was it Gen ten Gen nine. The next yeah, one will be. I don't think that's the thing. We're getting. I don't think it'll be this like year. Potential thing for Gen nine, but it's way too soon for Gen nine. It makes sense if they did like a remake. Yeah, yeah. I mean, especially because they kind of took an off year this year, but and just gave us more uh, DLC. So now it's. Yeah, we'll probably have a remake this year. Yeah, it's usually how it works out with them. It's like yeah, every it's you kind of wrote. I think we just they're kind of doing the Assassin's Creed thing where it's like you, we get like a for a long time they do one every year, but it's like for for pokemon it was like remake and then a uh, new one remake new one i think maybe People, last year was like that break yeah it see was now Creed, where you take a year off two you know two years in a row you get a Creed game but here's the going. thing here's the thing man it's like people have lost like uh hadn't realized especially for pokemon fans that the pokemon company had been releasing a mainline pokemon game like, uh, from, I want to say, 2010, since, like, 2010 all the way up till like, last year. Like, every year, it felt like. It didn't matter whether or not it was, like, say, well, let's see, what was it? They had Diamond and Pearl inside of 2007, and it didn't take until, like, a couple of years later, like, around 2009 was, like, uh, I think it was Platinum. Or 2010, I'm not sure now. But uh, since... Dime, since Pearl's release, actually, it's been like a mainline Pokemon game every year since 2020. So, yeah, it's kind of felt nice last year not having like something major in terms of the announcement. And since they went with the whole Crown Tundra and Isle like Isle of Armor type of thing, but yeah, it's definitely feeling like there's going to be a mainline Pokemon game released this year. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I don't know. Could be could be a really great year for for Nintendo. But I mean, I feel like that's kind of been the case for them pretty much every year um since like 2017 so um i think it's gonna do it for the the news part of it um you know we've been off for a couple weeks gables have you uh have you had a chance to play any uh any games in that time i have actually okay now i do play a lot of different games on different systems but what i had been mostly trying out was there were a couple of games that were made available because of Games of Gold, and I decided to download King of Fighters 13, which is an old 360 PS3 game. However, it is one of the best inside of that series, from what I was told. I went ahead, I was playing through it, I decided to go with the default team, which resolves around three mainline protagonists of uh, King of Fighters. I want to say, I'm guessing at this point... (laughs) Because I always thought the Fatal Fury team was, but I guess it wasn't. But anyway, I was messing around in terms of King of Fighters 13 one night after downloading it. And I was like, okay, I'm going to use the team here of uh, Kyo, Daimon, and Benimaru. Which, they are quintessentially have a balanced fighter, a mostly striker, and they have like more of a grappler in that regard. So the balance is really nice, in my honest opinion. I go through that. I'm having a fun time, and all of a sudden I get to like uh, the final set of battles with the boss battle. And this is where the game started to kick my ass a bit. Because <laughs> up until then, you know, I'm fairly confident playing fighting games. However, when it comes to final bosses in certain fighting games, especially SNK fighting games, they could be tricky. I lost to this uh, one... One of the last bosses of King of Fighters 13. And this is the arcade mode I was playing through, by the way. I didn't touch the story mode yet, if I feel like it. 
But uh, there was this one fighter that kept on grabbing me, right? And the animation is so slow when he goes to try to hit you that literally every time that I try to get in on him to do a close-range damage or a close-range, like, strike or poke or whatever the hell, I kept getting into this animation where he just grabs me and then he just starts repeatedly punching me like four times, lets go of me. It took about the third attempt of uh, trying to take him down until I had to realize, like, you know what? I'm going to try a different way. So what did I do? I started doing jump hard kicks, and I started dashing over to him and do a hard kick, then back away and just try to poke at him a little bit until finally I did take him down eventually with my team. But afterwards, I went with the final boss of the arcade mode for King of Fighters 13. And yeah, this one, oh man, this one's a cheap shot artist to be sure. Talking about certain attacks that take away almost near half your meter. Oof, your health meter, like, with certain combos that take away half, man. It's always a difficult, it's always a difficulty spike, it feels like, when it comes to SNK fighting games. When you get to that final boss and you feel like you're just about to win, all of a sudden the boss hits you with a string of combos that take out your almost your entire health bar, it feels like. And I'm like, well, goddamn. <laughs> it didn't take me a, as long as the previous battle though because I went ahead and I did a little pattern and with uh, taking on the boss with crouching light attacks like crouching light kick into heavy kick or even like crouching like light kick and then all of a sudden combo it into like like a couple heavy punches or like a medium punch or whatsoever into uh, whatever type of EX move I want to do. I did have a fun, hilarious moment during that final boss when the boss comes and lunges at me, right? And I went through and I finally executed my ultimate attack as Keo against him, and it pretty much annihilated the rest of the guy's bar, and I'm like, holy crap, that was an awesome counter. <laughs> but yes, King of Fighters 13. This is an underrated fighting game to be sure. It's on Steam. It was... It is on the 360 and the PS3. As of this moment, I've actually played it. I've played this game now on PS3 when it was made available on PlayStation Plus, and now games with gold. <laughs> so, huh. this is such a funny time. This is such a funny moment for me, because this is another instant of a game I've played on one platform and now the other platform. But it just tells you how fun the game is that I want to play it on multiple systems. Even though it's like two systems of the same generation. <laughs> but... Other games, I had played a little bit of Forza 3 because, you know, just wanted to drive around, couple, get a couple events done, do this and do that. Turned on the Switch. Actually, I turned on my Switch yesterday because I wanted to download the demo for Monster Hunter Rise, which apparently, oh, okay. which apparently throughout the time that it was released, at one point made the eShop crash because it was such a popular download. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, like, it ruined everything. I think that's pretty hilarious, honestly. But I went in yeah, late that night, and I did download the demo. Now, once I downloaded it, I had a chance to play a little bit of the tutorial stuff, and I'm like, oh, okay, this limit's about kind of similar to how certain 3DS demos had, where you had like maybe 30 tries of the game before if you want to try through on different options or different things. When you go through the selection screen with a tutorial, it gives you options of like maybe 8 to 10 different classes. And so I look at each one of them. I'm like, hey, these are kind of varied. I kind of like the way they like uh, certain weapons that they're using. So let's go ahead and pick, and pick the first one, which is like the Great Swordsman. 
I go through the first tutorial. It's one of those characters where he has a giant sword and a heavy attack. And you need to time his heavy attack just right. Or else the monsters are going to speed right past and just evade you like the Dickens, man. It was just like... It was just like a fun time going for like one of the one of the missions against this one raptor looking creature. You know, and then it hits me. It's like, well, <laughs> now I understand why it takes a, a lot of time for me to get into a Monster Hunter game. Because not only are the fights kind of drawn out, but it's also you having to... You have to uh, micromanage your inventory and also... Make sure you have a lot of different items available, a lot of different type of button combinations. So the first entire hour or two of me playing this demo involved me having to figure out, okay, let's hold the L button so I can go with the X or the A button in order to go through the menus and then select this one item so I can press Y in order to use a potion. I'm like, oh god, no. <laughs> Cumbersome, yes, but it's not impossible. I mean... There are Monster Hunter players that have gotten used to that aspect of it. The gameplay-wise is was pretty fun. I did have my initial fun as a great swordsman, but I switched it up with like a character with a sword and like a sword and a shield. So I made him kind of like a because I wanted to play as a character that's sort of like balanced in that way to get a better feel, a, an introductory character class, pretty much. So I decided to do the tutorial stuff for what was it? It was actually getting monsters and, like, riding them. The Wavern riding stuff. I understood I understood exactly what they wanted me to do. But I kind of felt that there were some instances that kind of felt sort of hard for me to actually go and ride the monster in of itself. But let me tell you. Once you actually capture the monster, start riding the monster around, and then you have the options of either attacking other monsters and or just launching them into a wall or launching them into other monsters... It, Felt freaking awesome. And I'll tell you another thing that felt freaking awesome. The wire bug. Inside this Monster Hunter Rise, one of their main gimmicks is they want you to go through the terrain, do through the environments as quick as possible, quintessentially. So you got a number amount of wire bugs that you can hold at a time. At one moment I had like about three wire bugs on me, so that allowed me to zip to different places like a like one of those characters off Attack on Titan. <laughs> Just like hmm. going through the air, taking out like certain enemies. And if you use a wire bug in combination, say with a uh, with your weapon, there's like an option you can do like a special attack and that will help damage the enemy and this and that. On these missions, you do have a couple of companions with you. You have a, a dog and like a cat that basically act like uh, support. In regards to doing attacks or doing buffs or doing this and that. I kind of like that option because you have like two helpers, two supporter characters that will help you set up different types of things for your character. Depending upon what type of build you want to make. And honestly, it felt really good playing this game. My only gripe is the game, the missions and everything else was pretty short in that regards. But this is definitely the sort of demo you're going to want to play over and over because you want to try all the different classes, you want to try all the different combinations you can do, what type of special attacks will be for that wire bug. And i got to admit, this is probably, in my honest opinion, March can't come soon enough. This is going to be one of those games that's going to be standing out for the Switch this year. And I honestly feel like that could be a potential hit for Capcom because it's like... 
The game moves fast. It has that same sort of Monster Hunter style of action. But the at, but the, at the same time, it doesn't feel overly complicated. It feels like you can go and attack monsters and collect a lot of different things. Sure, you're going to have to go and navigate through menus in order to increase the dull... Like, to like uh, make your weapon sharp or do a bunch of different potions or set exploding barrels or this or that. But yeah, it's definitely the kind of game that makes you think on your feet, but once you get that down, all the action stuff, you can actually have a great time with this game. And the game does support, the demo does support online. So if you have a friend or anything else, you could try that with them and see how that works for you. <laughs> But yeah, I really had a positive experience with that. But uh, yeah, other than that, I had been playing the most recent uh, DLC for Dragon Ball Fighters, which include the DLC Pass 3, which includes five characters alongside of all the different like uh, stamps and other things that were available. So as of right now, there's like three out of the five that are available, with Super Baby 2 going to be released around the 15th or the 16th. And for those that are listening at home, it's basically a villain character from Dragon Ball GT, that series. But uh, I had a chance to try Kefla, one of the characters from Dragon Ball Super, alongside Ultra Instinct Goku and Master Roshi. I absolutely loved playing all three of them. And I'll tell you why. Kefla, she has these uh, different attacks that are super quick, super like... Uh, they can actually be, like, uh, very, oh, God, focused in regards to certain combos that you want to execute. I love her, like, specials that can definitely combinate into one another. So there's, like, one move, like a, like, a gigantic ray into, like, a gigantic, like, this or that. So you can do, like, a level one into, like, a level three super very easily when you do a specific combo. And just going through a lot of these combos with all three of the characters was a blast, especially for, like, Master Roshi. And for Master Roshi, he's entirely, he is almost entirely different than any other character in regards to Dragon Ball Super because he's not like some of the other baseline characters like a Goku or Vegeta that can go and fly through the air and do this or do that. No, he has something called a Master Leap to where he can do the same type of like, like light attack in, into like a specific combo though. But when you go to like a Super Dash or something like that, he just leaps across the screen and you can go and combo into different moves. But I did love references that some of his attacks had. Like, there's this move that he does, like the Evil Containment Wave. If you're a fan of, like, the original Dragon Ball, the Evil Containment Wave is quintessentially a, a technique that Master Roshi learns from his from his old sensei, Master Mutaito, in terms of containing Evil King Piccolo from back in the day. But, uh... That's a little bit of Dragon Ball stuff I wasn't intended to go into. But another one, this last one, is called the Great Kamehameha, where he just grows bulky and stuff like that and just, like, shoots his Kamehameha blast over <laughs> this and that. But, yeah, it's just a bunch of the techniques and a bunch of uh, the soup, a bunch of, like, the random combinations I felt were very unique for Roshi as a character. But when it comes to, say, overpowered characters, Ultra Instinct Goku is definitely the most overpowered character of the three. Because quintessentially, you get to, you get to actually skip certain players, certain fighters' supers. Now, here's is what I'm referring to. For Dragon Ball Fighters, all the characters have level three supers. 
And avoiding something like that, especially for some of the top echelon characters, it's incredibly difficult if you get comboed into and stuff. Ultra Instinct Goku can actually skip, can actually uh, do a technique, right, where it can bypass, <laughs> it actually can bypass some of the hitting stuff of these level 3s. Which, honestly, after watching some of the footage and also trying out the technique for myself, makes a hell of a lot of sense why he's one of the uh, most used characters right now on their competitive side. But yeah, his techniques are awesome. He's very fun to play, he has easy techniques to learn, and on top of that, it's like, you can level, you can combo into his level 3 just super simple, super easily. But so far, this DLC pass has been really fun, and I can't wait to go through and try the characters out, like on uh, the specific arcade routes and stuff, or develop certain combos. And yeah, that's what I've been playing. Tyler, nice. how about you? <laughs> Um, not too too much, you know. Time's been, uh, you know, a little, you know, strict for gaming time, and I've just been like in the mood for like dumb comedies lately. <laughs> um, I don't know why. Just uh, watch a lot of those in my in the time I do have uh, every night. Um, but uh, I played a few. Um, I, I I don't know, I didn't mention it on the last shows we did, but I told you before the for the shows that I bought the DLC uh, for Destiny Two the. Not the newest one, not Beyond Light, but I bought Forsaken and was it Shadow Keep? Yes. Is the other one? I bought both of those. They're on sale for like eight bucks each. Um, so I bought those. I, I played through a good chunk of Forsaken. I, I think I'm like step 20 of 27, it said, or something like that. Yes. Um, so a good chunk went through it. Uh, I At first, I was I was flying through it, and there's, there's a few missions there where I was just like, I'm not enjoying this. and I, I've kind of fallen off a little bit since, but it was it's it's been a fun little... Um, game to jump into and like, you know, when I just want to play games for 30, 40, 45 minutes, you know, I'll just jump in and, and knock on a mission or two of those. So it's kind of a, a slow grind through through it right now more than uh, just jumping in and, uh, you know, flying through it. But uh, mm-hmm. really enjoying it. I, you know, I, I, you know, I, I like, uh, I wish there was a little more story beats through it. Like there was a lot in the beginning, you know, with like, with, with it. this is the one where like Kate six uh, is murdered. And right. you're going to kill the guy that uh, killed him. So um, I wish there was more story beats because, like the the first like few missions, you have a, you have a lot of cutscenes, and their their cutscenes are beautiful. And I, you know, I, I you know what what they do with with that engine is is great. And uh, I wish there was a little bit more throughout to kind of sprinkle in. Like you you have some conversations and stuff here and there, um, but I, you know, I just wish a little. A little more in depth with it, you know, would would, would uh, kind of keep me going. I think a little more. Uh, the other game I played um, is uh, Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Mm-hmm. Um, I put about seven hours into it, and it's it didn't click for me. It's just not, it, it didn't. I, it's just like I realized um, after a certain point, I'm like, you know, it's like I'm sure maybe if I put twenty hours into it, it clicked for me. It was like I don't have the time for that, and I don't really want to do that anyways. You know, it's like there's been games like that before where it's like, you know, at a certain point, you know, you put a bunch of hours and it's clicked and you know, I didn't really like them. But, you know, it's like um, with Assassin's Creed Odyssey, it's like I didn't really, you know, it's like I always talked about, like, I didn't care for, um, you know, like the, you know, I, I thought the world was nice and all that. But it's like really what it was that sold me on the game was the characters and the story. I liked the story. I loved, uh, I always forget her name. The, Cassandra. The main, the, the main girl. I, Cassandra, thank you. 
uh, I, I don't know how you, you never played the game and yet you know her name, but I, and I don't. I don't understand. <laughs> I put like 40 hours into it. You always, every time I forget her name, you remind me. I don't know why. But um, I loved her story. I liked her a lot. Like, I didn't really, uh, her brother, uh, Alios, I think was his name. Um, he was just like a bland, you know, male uh, star we've seen in every um, generic, you know, game ever. Right. Uh, right. And uh, Cassandra's like character was like, She's witty. She's smart. She's got good comebacks. Like the vo- I think the big difference was like the voice acting, where it felt like they just grabbed the every man to play the voice acting for the male part. And like I can't, I don't know who they got for the for the woman, but um, she was she was great. And she even got nominated for I don't I don't remember, I don't think she won, but remember she got nominated for best voice actor that year, and uh, she deservedly so. Um, but what really carried me through that game was that story and those when her character or like and you know and like her interactions with people like, you know, I, I really liked it. Her being a smart ass, just, she can be serious, be a smart ass. It was just, she was, she was witty. And I, I enjoyed it. Um, and this one, I just, um, you, you can play male or female and you can jump back and forth at any point, uh, between being a male or female. Uh, you can also do a third option. I just let, I, I let it pick for me and it picked the, the, the female Ivor. So that's just what I went with. Um, and she, like, I, I, I play a little bit with with the male and i'm just like all right it's just you got the every man you got the every woman to play this like there's no life to the characters and it's also like when you when uh playing uh odyssey like you're playing in greece like it's so colorful and vibrant and it's beautiful and it's like this one you're playing in like norway and england and it's just like first off i've been to england a fucking hundred thousand times already um i don't want to go to europe anymore uh norway it's <laughs> just you know it's gray and it's cold and it's winter and it's like I'm living that right now. It's fucking Iowa and it's winter. Like I don't need that. Um, <laughs> but you know, I just I don't really care. I don't think the story is all that interesting. Um, and I, I think another thing that really hurts it is like after playing Ghost of Tsushima, it's like that was my big thing talking about it at the, at that when Ghost came out initially. It was like this is the Assassin's Creed that Assassin's Creed game that I always wanted. I think a lot of people wanted. You know, it's like you know being in Japan and also it's just like combat in that game is so good like that mm, how, yes. how it works with like the but the stances and how fast it can get um i just they and all the all the weapons you get with it as well it's like it's it's the perfect disaster game for what i want and it's just like playing that and then going in playing this and it's like it's so slow like you're playing with an axe and it's just like ugh, and it's, it's more it's i don't know and the, the combat's just it's very hack and slashy and it's just like it's not great it's like i don't care ivor is a very boring bland character the world i mean it's not i'm not saying it's not beautiful like the graphics are great but it's like i don't know the world just doesn't stand out it's just i don't know I, it just it did not connect with me in any way and it's just like i, I put a good chunk of time to i i did very little side quests i just wanted to like get into like because like even really so i don't really care for the, the side quests it's like i really I, as much as i really enjoy the sash free games i'm really i've, I've talked about it before it's like I'm just so burnt out on Ubisoft games because there's just there. Yeah. There, there's different series, but they're all the same game and they're that. all the same. The formats are the same. Um, it's just the setting and whether or not it's a shooter or a hacker or assassin, you know? Well, yeah. Um, they've used the same sort of formula, the Assassin's yeah. Creed stuff and other parts of their game. I mean, for God's sakes, games like ghost recon wildlands is a good example. They use the same type of like formula and structure and like, collection things that they did like say for assassin's creed 2 and like games like ghost recon wildlands like the other assassin's creed games like watchdogs you know in that regards and it's like yeah. 
I can understand why you feel burnt out because quintessentially you're playing the same formula of games with a different paint and different setting and story quintessentially. Yeah. And some of those settings get, get you, like I said, Odyssey, uh, Watch Dogs 2, like there's definitely uh, like, or like Far Cry 3 and 4, like those games. Um, you know, but it's like the last few I played outside of Odyssey have just been, eh. And like Far Cry 5 didn't connect for me. I'm not in, interested at all in Far Cry 6. Like, I, actually, I thought the Division games were, were stuck out, but I, it's more just the third-person shooter part I like about it um, than anything. But it's like, yeah, you look at them, every single one, it's like, you know, the Ghost the the Ghost Recon games, the Watch, in the Watch Dog game, you have a drone that flies around, you can uh, scout. And the Sash right. 3 games, you have, a, you have a bird that scouts for you. And it's just like, yeah. there's just a million things in the map, so it's overwhelming and kind of gives you anxiety. It's like, uh, I feel like I should, you know, it kind of, you know, I don't know, it's just... I don't know. It just didn't connect with me, and it's just like I, I try to get into it. I, I've I've seen that from a lot of people. Like I, I'm in a couple of the like Facebook groups, and it's like I see that game has popped up a lot in conversations where it's just like people talking about like I've seen some people like put 150 hours of platinum in the game, and they just adore it. And I, I've seen some people it's like yeah, you know, you know, I put 20 hours in this game. It's just not connected for me. And I feel like there's like mm. you know, it's just one of those games. It's it, if you love the Ubisoft map games, this you know, it's more of that. If you know, if you're like me, like just wants to play good Assassin's Creed games, I don't really feel like it's one of those. And if you want a good Assassin's Creed game, just go play Ghost of Tsushima. Because as as I'm playing this, like this makes me want to do two things, well, three things. One, stop playing this game. Two, uh, I just want to go back and do more Ghost of Tsushima. Three, <laughs> because it's it's really based a lot. Of, it talks a lot about Norse myth, Norse mythology. I really just want to go re- replay God of War, which I started doing. I put like eight after like eight hours into God of War again. So I'm just doing new game oh plus on, on God of War. Oh, I hate yeah. that, man. When it's like when you're playing a game, and there's like elements and themes that make you want to play other games instead of the game you're playing. You yeah. know, it's it, oh yeah. man, that's always been a pet peeve of mine with that regards. Yeah, but like, to answer well, your it's question, like, oh, man. go ahead. Oh, sorry, sorry about that, Tyler. Um, hey. To answer your question earlier in regards to the voice actress for Cassandra, I think it was. I, if I'm reading this correctly, Melisanthi Mahut, like that's okay. basically what uh, the voice actress for Cassandra was for Odyssey. Okay. Well, thank you. Uh, she, yeah. yeah, thank you for pointing that. Uh, she was fantastic. Oh yeah, and you remind me. I went back and I, um, I looked up. Sun and Moon came out in 2016. So okay, uh, Ultra Sun and Moon was 2017. Um, yeah, that's that's pretty much all I've been playing. Is, you know, and then like just fell deep into God of War again. So. Um, yeah, I've all, I'm also, and like, I've honestly, I've, I've, I've done a lot of deep dive YouTube videos talking, uh, people talking about God of War two and like conspiracy theories and like all that. Like I am oh my like, God. I, I've, I'm like that, like that, you know, that alien meme where the guy's like aliens and his hair's all spiked up and shit. <laughs> That's me with God of War two theories right now where I'm just like, you know, I've just been, I did, the, I mean, when, when, uh, God of War after I played God of War one, I went like deep dive into Norse mythology and want to learn more about it. And oh then I've gone God. deep dive into like Norse because like there's little changes to uh, Norse Norse mythology and God of War than for like the, the main mythology. And I've just been fascinated by that. And it's just like a lot of people like just yeah. There's a lot of YouTube videos out there. And my my uh, my uh, algorithm now is like just it's Game Grumps and God of War uh, theories <laughs> at this point. So oh my God. Uh, it's it's nuts uh yeah that's uh that's all i've been playing is is more of that so but um you know it's nice being back you know it's been a you know it was, it was nice having a, having a week or t- a week off there from recording but uh i was still like oh man I, I was like 
I was like, oh man, okay, I can't wait to talk about this. This I'm like, oh wait, no, we're not recording this week. You know, it's like you miss doing it, but it's also nice having that little bit of break from it. So uh, it was nice. Feel recharged, feel good. You know, like I can't wait. You know, it's 2021 now for us. We've already put out a couple episodes this year, but we recorded those last year. So uh, it's nice new year. Can't wait. It's gonna be uh, hopefully be a much better year than 2020. Uh, maybe not for, uh, you know, 2020 was a great year for video games, but everything else sucked. Yeah. Um, so hopefully we, uh, 2021 is better. We have a great year in video games, more importantly, a better, uh, better world in 2021. So, um, yeah. Uh, thank you guys so much, uh, for, uh, listening with us over the years and all that fun jazz. Uh, you know, 2020 was our biggest year yet for downloads. We had a big yes. jump there that second half of the year. So that was awesome. I really appreciate, um, we both really appreciate you, uh, Listen to us, give us a chance, and hope you guys really enjoy it. Uh, enjoy what we've done, and hope you guys enjoy what we're doing and continue to do. Um, going into this will be our eighth year, I think. Um, yeah, eighth year. Uh, so yeah, be uh, pretty crazy. But uh, yeah, thanks again so much for listening. I was your host, I was Tyler, and I have been Colonel Gables. So until next time, everyone, I want to have want to wish you guys well in whatever you're doing. I also want to congratulate the Cleveland Browns fans. Yeah, I want to congratulate them because, wow, the Cleveland Browns beat the Pittsburgh Steelers forty-eight to thirty-seven. Congratulations, mm-hmm. Dog Pound! Yeah, first <laughs> coming. First, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, anyway, Tyler, go ahead. You can do. That. I was gonna say <laughs> it's their first first road playoff win since nineteen sixty-nine. That is incredible. That yeah. just shows how special that team is. Yeah, so my, my parents weren't even born yet. Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god, dude! But uh, yeah, I just want to say congratulations to the Cleveland Browns fans and stuff. Well deserved. I mean, hell, if it's not for the whole COVID stuff, they'd be celebrating the streets. Mm-hmm. But uh, anyways, thank you everybody for listening to another fun-filled episode of the Drunk Dash Nerds podcast. And hey, Gables. Yeah. Too sweet. Too sweet, man. Bye, guys. See ya.